Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Praise God. All right, so we continue with our, our discussion on the 144,000. Like I told you, this is uh, a long series because we're dealing with uh, every word you can find in Revelation 14, verse 1 to 5. All of the words there. So it's a long, long study. And to enable you to understand some of the very things that God has ordained for you as an individual and you corporately as a church. Alright, so last week we touched briefly on the issue of the seal and I tried to make us understand that Revelation 7 have nothing to do with literal Israel. Because one of the facts there is it starts with numbering for the tribe of Dan. And that is contrary to physical Israel as we find in the book of Numbers chapter 1 and 1 to 16. Where you see Reuben to be the first son of Jacob, which is Israel, not Dan. Amen? And again, we know that Leviticus or the tribe of Levi was a priesthood, so it was not seen as a tribe in Israel. And so when they share lands in Israel, they don't give land to the Levites. Because the portion of the Lord, which was the tithes and an offering that they were giving to God, he gave to Levi. So, seeing Levi, seeing Dan as the firstborn in the book of Numbers chapter, I mean Revelation 7, shows that it's not dealing with literal Israel. Is that making sense to you? Alright, so, that's the point. So, but what I'm actually looking at is the issue of seal. And last week also, we dealt with uh, Ephesians 1. We read from verse 1 to 14, we talk about the seal. Is that okay? How we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, which is, uh, uh, I'm going to touch that briefly, uh, but let's look at the book of Second Corinthians chapter 1, 21-22. Uh, we look at the word seal, the meaning of seal. Because the 144,000, the Bible said, were sealed in their forehead. That's what I want us to look at. That's what I'm looking at. The 144,000 were sealed in their forehead. All right. Okay, so now the Bible says, Now which has established us with you in Christ and has anointed us, he do, is God. And then verse 22 says, Who also has sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts? Who also has sealed us? So every true believer is sealed. And that's the point I want you to see there. Praise God. All right, look at John chapter 5, verse 18. John 5, verse 18, only. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broke the Sabbath, 
But also say that God was his father, making himself equal with God. So he who is sealed of God belongs to God. The proof of our sonship is the fact that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Alright. So, the meaning becomes very clear as to what, what it means. Now, when something is sealed, it speaks of a property that is owned by someone who sealed that property. And uh, my wife does something always if she buys properties, maybe things that may go out or something. She has to put the seal, rule, you know. <laughs> she puts a name, she puts a mark. You understand what I mean? That's a seal. So anywhere that property goes to, you can identify who owns it. Even if it's in the midst of like broken plates, in the midst of so many other ones, and they go to a party. Women, you do that a lot. It's a seal, isn't it? Now, when you seal these uh, malams who do, you know, transport their cows from the north, they can use one big trailer, maybe two, three, or four traders we own the cattle in there. But each of those cattle has a mark to the one that they belong to. You understand what I mean? Right. So, the seal, the mark there, it could be just T, it could be just T-U, whatever I mean, it could just be a cross or a sign, anything that can be on the body of those cow in the hole of that trailer as it's coming down to the south. And then you can easily identify who owns which one. That's seal of ownership. So by the time they arrive here and they want to get them out, it's not difficult to know who owns which one. You understand what I mean? Right. Okay. So it's a major sign of possession. So when the Bible says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, it simply means God possesses us. We belong to God. Primary, primary meaning of that. But let me show you something from the scriptures here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9. Let's look at this. Um, yeah. 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 9, 1 and 2. Take it from a simpler translation, if you will. Maybe NLT. Okay. Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly I am to you. You yourself are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. You are proof that I'm the Lord's apostle. Okay, go to King James. Let me read what I have to see there. King James. And it says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? I said like this. This is one of the things people say, well, it's a sign. If you're truly an apostle of, of, of God, this is one of the signs. And we always want to wonder where Jesus saw, I mean, Paul saw Jesus. Amen. All right. Anyhow, and not ye my work in the Lord, verse 2. If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you for you, what? The seal of my apostleship are ye in the Lord. The seal. They're together. In other words, the proof of the certificate of my apostleship is you, the Corinthian church. 
I warn you to God. Hallelujah. And this, this simply speaks of mark of ownership. So what he's trying to say, listen, you are allowing other people to come talk to you, to come preach all kind of messages to you, and you are actually ministering to those people because they claim to be apostle. But the true sense of it, I possess you for Christ. You are the seal of my apostleship for Christ. So when something is sealed, it speaks of ownership. That's what I mean. Is it making sense? Praise the Lord. So, when we are talking about those sealed in uh, Revelation 14, what are we trying to say there? We're talking of a people who have received the mark or the seal of God. Which is not only the mark or the seal of protection, but also that of ownership. You can mark for protection. Okay? Simple example of that is what happened in Egypt. When, especially um, Exodus 12, you know the story, right? When Israel was to leave Egypt, they were asked to kill the lamb, put the mark on the doorpost. Is that okay? He said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. That's a seal. That is a mark. That shows that those who are in that house belong to God. So it's a mark of ownership. It's a seal. A seal is simply a brand, a branding of an identity that speaks of ownership. And so we're talking about those who are sealed, the 144,000, now assisting, like I said before, as being the first fruits from amongst men. James 1.18. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we speak of ownership here. And there's a purpose for that. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 10. Ephesians 2 verse number 10 gives us a very strong understanding on this as well. And he said, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, with God before ordained that we should walk in them good works. The purpose of this ceiling is that we are owned by God. We are a product and uh, we are designed for good works. Praise the living God. Amen. All right. So this is what it means. Like I'm saying, it means belonging. Okay. In the 144,000, the Bible says we seal on our forehead. Very specific. And that also means a lot, which I think we're going to deal with briefly this evening. What is forehead? supposed to mean because you see it is because we don't have this understanding that people are thinking like all these ask people you see sometimes you see people teach you or they talk about raving the mark of the beast and they talk about 666 have you heard that before on people's forehead so it's like you're going to have a literal 666 and I like the way the world people behave they take advantage of the foolishness that we exhibit as believers and they walk on our emotions. And so we have uh, congregations or cults that are risen as well in the U.S. and they have 666 on their forehead. And so when you see that, people are scared that people are now, oh yeah, that's the end of the world. But the Bible says war without end anyway. But that's the end of the world, sign of the end time. 
And one of my friends, every little teacher knows, sign of the end time, sign of the end time. I said, which end time do you really mean? Explain. They cannot explain because it's simply the language of the church. Hallelujah. So, people think about the seal of uh, the devil, 1666. So, the question I'm asking is, Revelation 14, you are sealed on your forehead. The believers are sealed on the forehead. So, what's the number on the head? Okay, if 666 belongs to the devil, we do know that God is 777, perfection. Jesus is 888, new beginning. So, which one is on your forehead? Holy Ghost is 999. Oh, yes. Praise God. I taught you here before, isn't it? Yeah, nine is the number of the Holy Spirit. Eight is the number of Jesus. Seven is the number of God. Six is the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day of the creation week. Five is the number of grace. Five hands, five fingers. Five senses, five toes, right? Four is the number of the world. Three, tri-unity, spirit, soul, and body. Two, what is that duality? Male and female, black and white, night and day, double witness, at the mouth of two or three witness shall every be established. One, unity, God is one God. I taught you all of that, isn't it? Right, so which one is on your forehead? Now that six, the told us belong to the devil and it's on some people's forehead. If you don't have the number, six, 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 you can't buy and sell. Like I told us the last time, we had just experienced that. You go to the bank, you can't get money. And you go to the POS and they charge you double. Hmm? Hallelujah. Praise God. So to think that 666 is going to be on people's forehead, literally, is misleading. That's what I'm trying to say. You don't see such things in people's forehead. To have... 666 is the forehead is the fullness of the Adamic life, sensual wisdom, natural wisdom. That's just what it means. Amen. Praise the living God. All right. Okay, so we're just moving. When God, for instance, was describing how stubborn Israel was supposed to be, look at the way he described them. Isaiah 48, verse 4. And then uh, Ezekiel 3. 79, but Isaiah 48 verse 4 Because I know that Thou art obstinate And thy neck is an iron sinew And thy bro brass Your bro, your forehead is like brass Was it that the children of Israel Had literal brass forehead? No What it means is nothing is penetrating Even whatever thing I say You are so stubborn That's what it means Are you getting that? Okay, look at it from Ezekiel 3, 7 to 9. God describing the forehead. It's an expression. It's a place of expression. That's what it means. Now, but the house of Israel, we're not hearkening unto thee. God is speaking to prophet Ezekiel. So I need to go preach to them, but this is what's going to happen. They won't hearken unto thee. For they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. And he said, Behold, I've made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. Hallelujah. As adamant, harder than flint, have I made thy forehead. Fear thou not, neither be dismayed, and thou looks, though they be 
a rebellious house. Praise God. What do you think God is telling Israel here? Be bold. Don't be intimidated. I mean, telling uh, Ezekiel. Against Israel, don't be intimidated. They have very strong forehead, stubborn people. But I have also made you very stubborn against their stubbornness. So go ahead and make my declaration. That's for it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you following me? So this is simply an expression. The forehead is the symbol of expression. And uh, it's a place where you can receive a mark. Which Arthur speaks also of uh, wisdom. Praise the Lord. The 144,000 that were sealed in Revelation 14 actually speaks about what happened in AD 33, which also to do with Pentecost. Diligent study will reveal that to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Diligent study will reveal that to you. Okay, so the only way those who have received the seal their forehead today can be identified in the world. It's not by any outward visible sign. Hallelujah. But it's going to be coming through one simple evidence. And what is the evidence? Act chapter 1 verse number 8. Act 1 verse number 8 is the evidence. The true evidence that you receive the seal on your forehead. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon thee, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the earth. Witness is the evidence. You see, when the children of the, the first 21st century church, the first century church, or the early Christians, if you will, when they received the, the Holy Spirit, or they came down speaking, you know what happened in Acts chapter 11? The people came and said, these are Christians. In other words, they are behaving like Christ. What is that supposed to mean? They have the identity of Christ. Did you get that? Why were they having such identity in display? They were just actually manifesting the power of the Holy Spirit in terms of witnessing. Hallelujah. You know, often and again, especially those of us in Pentecostal circles, what we always think about is, oh man, if you receive the Holy Spirit, you got to speak in tongues as an evidence. No problem about that. They talk about all of the gift of the Spirit. I have no problem about that. But I want to make you understand. The very true gift or the mark of the Spirit that you receive the Holy Spirit is not in the power but in the fruit. You can have the power, but you don't have the fruits. The fruit is what God identifies with as his own image, because that is his character. That's Galatians 5, I'm saying now. Is that okay? Galatians chapter 5, from verse 20, 21, 22. That's where you have the very nature of God. Well, you say, let's make my image after like the letter of dominion. The image of God is found in the fruit, not in the gift. And it's important. You see, you can manifest gift and yet 
Take this from me. How many of you remember that a donkey spoke to a prophet? The donkey spoke a language that a prophet of God understood. Now, if the donkey is an animal and it could speak a language that a human being can understand, that means the donkey spoke in tongues. Because the language of the donkey is not supposed to be understood by a human being. How did Balaam get to understand the language of the donkey? Now, the fact that donkey spoke the language that the prophet understood, does that make the donkey a human being? No. But as gift. So you see, you can have all the gift, but you don't have the nature of God. That's what I'm saying. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. You can manifest gift without having the nature of God. And that's very dangerous. Because what gives you access to God's presence, to his real power, is the fruit, not the gift. Otherwise, why would Jesus be telling them in the book of Matthew? Some will come and say, oh, in your name I cast a devil, your name I this, all of this. And he said, go away from me, ye that walk iniquity. Why? They operated under what we call anomia, lawlessness. And one of the things that prove that you're walking under the law of God is the fruit of the Spirit. It's very critical. I think I will need to teach us here evidence of the Holy Ghost. And you know, of course, <laughs> my teachings are always, and people say I'm always contrary to what people teach. Okay, fine. But it's not contrary. I'm just being, what is it? I'm just giving to you what it should be. I mean, I don't want you to follow popular because it is popular. Then I have to do it in a popular way. I can't do that. So we might probably have to look at the evidence of the Spirit. Amen? Somebody once spoke to me. I mean, I saw something was saying, you know, Oh, now if you don't have, if you don't manifest signs and wonders, if you don't do miracles, then you are not born again. You don't have the Holy Ghost. Then I asked the question. The person never replied me again. You don't have the Holy Ghost. You're not born again. Because you don't speak in tongues. You don't do miracles. Then I said, what about Billy Graham? He was not born again. Amen. You can excuse John the Baptist because then the Holy Ghost has not come. But God said, of all those born of human beings, he was the greatest of all prophets. You disputing God? John never spoke in tongues. Billy Graham never do no healings. Are you following what I'm talking about? And you say it's not born again? Because it doesn't speak in tongues that donkeys speak? <laughs> Praise God. Are you following what I'm saying here? The evidence of you being sealed by the Holy Spirit is the proof that you are truly born again. I said of just what you go by witness in the street, your life what people see in you as a child of God. What's the seal of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Praise God. Remember the Bible says, Ephesians 3, it said, we have been created and ordained for good works in Christ Jesus. Nicodemus will come and say, no man can do these things. 
and said God be with him. It was not only the miracles that he was doing, that inclusive. Praise God. Are you listening to me? It's important that you understand what I'm saying tonight. That you have the seal of the Holy Spirit and the evidence primarily is that your life becomes a testimony of he who is born of the Holy Spirit. So men can see you and say of a truth, this one is a child of God. No pretense about it. Just like it happened in Acts chapter 11. These are Christians. They are acting like Christ. They are Christ-like. That's the proof that you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So it goes beyond ownership. And again we find that it's one of the things that actually identifies you. For instance, if we look at Exodus 28. Let's look at 36 to 38 in the book of Exodus. Hallelujah. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold, talking about the priest now, and graving upon it like the engraving of a signet, holiness to the Lord. Holiness to who? To the Lord. Actually, it means holiness belongs to God. Hallelujah. Look at the next verse. And thou shalt put it on the blue lace. Blue speaks of heaven. That it may be upon the meter, the bound, upon the forefront of the liter of the meter, it shall be the forefront, the forehead. That means the high priest will wear this metering, this bound on the on the meter or whatever. And there you will see holiness to the Lord, which actually means holiness belongs to God. That means this priest is holy. Where is you find that? On the forehead. So this has had a reminder of the children of Israel, the need to be constantly walk and live in holiness in the service of God, which also prefigured the great high priest, our Lord Jesus Christ, and his dedication to be in the holiness of God. Amen. What is that supposed to mean? It's not an outward thing. It's a nature. Holiness is not what you do. Holiness is your life. Somebody say, Pastor, you're confusing me. Is that true? Let me ask you this question. How holy is God? Can anybody describe for me? The level, what you can use to measure the holiness of God. Can anybody tell me? But you know what the Bible says. Be ye holy, even as your father in heaven is holy. So, how do, how do you describe it? Now, you want to be holy, I agree with you. But your measurement, the standard of your holiness should be that of God. So, how holy is God? Because if you don't know how holy God is, then you can't know how holy to be. Because the word says, be ye holy, even as your father in heaven is holy. So, how do we describe holiness? Hallelujah. Are we here? You're just looking at me. Are, are you following what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, somebody said, Pastor, but you know, okay, okay. Come this way. You remember when uh, God was to speak to Moses and to send him on the mission, right? 
the burning bush, Exodus. Is that okay? I said, what did he tell him? Take off your shoes for the ground you are standing in this world. is holy ground. What can make ordinary ground to be holy? God is there. Be ye holy as God is holy means if God comes into your life, you are a holy person. Why? Because God is in your life. You are a holy ground. You don't have to do something to be holy. It's not what you do. It's your nature. How? Because God brings holiness to your life. Hallelujah. So when when it's written on the forehead of this priest, holiness unto the Lord. Say holiness belongs to God. You got to live as I live by implication. My nature has been given to you. Praise God. Look at uh, Hebrews 7.26. Look at it from simpler translation. Praise God. Mm. Are we here? He that is kind of high priest. We need because he is holy. And blameless. Talking about Jesus. Untamed by sin. He has been set apart from sinners. And have been given the highest place of honor in heaven. He's describing who? Jesus Christ. Is that okay? So Jesus is holy. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 please. What did he say? First Corinthians 1 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Take it from his simple translation. God has united you with Christ Jesus. Can I hear amen? For our benefit, our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. And he freed us from what? From sin. He made us. He didn't say he's going to. He didn't say do this to be. Oh, come on. Are you following this? <laughs> By reason of the seal of the Holy Spirit... He made us holy before God. So to write the name holiness unto the Lord like the early priest is just an indication to us to remind you that you are a holy person because you belong to God. Praise God. Now look at it. God has united you with Christ Jesus. Amen. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God as righteousness. He made us pure sanctification and holy. And he freed us from sin. That's redemption. Amen? This is why you see the ground was holy. So when we say he wrote holiness unto the Lord, actually like I said it should be Holiness belongs to God. So, I made you holy as a priest. So, when you come out and bless the people, 
you're impacting onto them holiness. Because you see, that's exactly what Jesus did. I told us here before, your own righteousness is not imputed righteousness, but impacted righteousness. You see, for Abraham, it was imputed to him for what? Righteousness, because he believed God. But for you, it's not imputed, it's impacted because he's giving you his own life. So you have impacted righteousness and not imputed righteousness. Amen? So your life is holy because holiness is imputed, I mean impacted unto you by reason of the seal on your forehead. Hallelujah. Are we here? Now I want you to get this because it's very important. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. Okay, I, I want you to look at something. Look at um, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 3 and Colossians 1 27. Remember, Jesus is holy. I said, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, okay. 5, verse 1, number 5. Examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own self. Know ye not that your own self, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. Now, don't forget. Hebrews 7 I mean Hebrews 6.27. What were we before? Hebrews 7 rather 26. Tells us precisely that Jesus is what? Is holy. Is that not true? Okay. Now you say examine yourself. Take it from a simple translation. Praise God. Look at this. Okay. Um, is that what you're looking at? Is that what I say you should look at now? Praise the Lord. This one is giving me something a little bit dangerous. I don't want that. Second Corinthians, I said, okay. Now, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Text yourself. Shall you know that Jesus Christ is among you? If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. This is a critical statement. Okay. Take it from the message translation. Let me see. Hallelujah. Test yourself to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need first hand evidence. Not mere heresy that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. What is the test? Do I have Christ in me? Colossians 1.27 Christ in you, the whole of glory. When you don't have this, you see, when the Bible talks about when the Spirit is come, you remove the wall of sin and of righteousness and of judgment 
And he say of sin because the world does not believe on him. Because of righteousness, because I go to the Father. I'm, I'm, I'm reading from John 16. Remember that. Are you with me? What is that? You know, sometimes people say, Holy Ghost remind you of sin. Holy Ghost does not remind you of sin. Holy Ghost convicts you of righteousness. That's what the Holy Ghost does. He reminds you as a believer. The one who reminds of sin is the one that is in the world who don't believe him. But you already believe him. He died for your sin. He set you free from your sin. Now you are a righteous person. So what happened? The Holy Spirit reminds you all the time. that, Hey, come on. You are a righteous person. You want to do something that is not right? Say, hey, come on. Listen. You are a righteous man. You can do this because you are righteous. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So holiness is not what you practice. Holiness is your life. And the seal of your being holy is the Holy Spirit. On your forehead. And once your forehead becomes your nature. So for the high priest, holiness belongs to God. And Hebrews 7, 26 will tell us that Jesus is holy. Now examine yourself whether you be in the faith. So what is the examination? Check out. Do you still have conviction you are holy? <laughs> Hallelujah. Why? Because the one who is holy is where? On your inside. Christ in you what? The hope of glory. Examine yourself. Oh, hallelujah. Are you following this? Mm. Hallelujah. Look at Ephesians 3.20. I just like this. Feel like preaching to myself. Yeah, that's why we are looking at it, John 16.10. You can go back there so that they can see it. Go back to John 16.10 before we come back here to Ephesians 3.20. Let me show you. John 16.10. Go back a little bit. Go to verse number. And when he's come, he will reprove the wall of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Look at verse 9. Of sin because they believe not on me. But you believe. So what will the Holy Spirit be telling you about? Nothing. About sin. No. He tells the wall who doesn't believe. He convinced them of sin. You've been convicted already now you believe. So he won't talk to you about that. What's the next thing that happened? Of right on because I go to my father, you see me no more. So I remind you every day that you are what? You are righteous. It's right there in the Bible. Hallelujah. Now, have you had some group of uh, church people? I used to watch them sometimes. In those days, they call it the holiness movement. I don't know if you, you watched that once in a while. You, you, you saw them? Right. Tell them. Holiness movement, you know. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't know what they mean by holiness movement. You know, maybe you don't use golden spoon to eat because it made Aaron to make golden calf. Huh? Holiness movement. You understand that? You don't wear earrings. Huh? As a woman, you don't wear trousers. Holiness movement. That's religion. Holiness is not, it's not 
Amen. It's a nature. You can see that from the scriptures. Amen. Praise God. If ground is holy, what was the ground doing to make the ground holy? And wait a minute. You go to a pilgrimage and you say you are going to the holy land. In Israel. What makes Israel holy? You tell me. It means you don't even know what you are saying. You don't know what to believe. <laughs> Praise God. Because you see, once you drop in Tel Aviv, which is the airport, you already landed on the holy land. So why are you going to, are going to a pilgrimage to the holy land? So what makes Israel holy? Think about that. It means you don't understand what is holiness. You don't know what it stands for. You don't know what the Bible teaches about holiness. Holiness, a person, is the life of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Ephesians 3.20 now. Thank you so much for following. Now unto him that is able to do abundantly above all that. You know, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that does what? Walk it in us. That's the key point. The power that walketh in us. What power is that? The Christ power. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit that walketh in us. He gives you the energy. gives you the ability to stand strong in who you are. As to identify your true identity as a child of God. Praise the Lord. You're thinking about your language. And I was meditating a few days ago. Christ is our life. How is Christ my life? What does it really mean? Maybe I will need to teach it so that we understand. In my marriage, Christ is my life. In my business, Christ is my life. In my language, Christ is my life. You understand what I mean? That means Christ runs through everything you do. That's why Paul was speaking Galatians 2.20. He said, the life I live now is no longer I that live it. But I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave his life to me. So Christ is our life. Why? What does that mean? Everything I do, even down to eating, it has to be Christ. Christ is my life. And so he goes down and says, I can do all things through Christ that does what strengthened me. I can do all things. There's nothing I can do. Huh? Except stealing, except killing people, except, you understand that? We're not talking about that. But that which is light, that which is glorious, that you can do it. You can live it out. That's what he's saying. He gives her the power. I can do all things. Hallelujah. Are you following? That is just it, Prince. Mm, I like that. Praise the living God. Look at verse 21. No, no, no. I'm still in Ephesians. I'm still in Ephesians 3, 21 now. Ephesians 3. And I will give these people favor and decide. Ephesians, not Exodus. Ephesians, please. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end so the world is not ending 
<laughs> oh glory. Is that the power is given to us? Remember, you have to take it from 20 to 21. Is that okay? Right. That is in all ages we have the ability to manifest the life of God. War without end. The war that ended was the Jewish war. The world we are in can never end. I was sharing with a brother today. Amen. You see, people need to understand this. When you read in the Bible saying the world to come, the world to come, it's not talking of anything else. The world came on the day of Pentecost. We're in another world right from that time. There's a world that ended, which was the last day. Joel said, in the last day of power of my spirit. What was the last day? The last day of the Old Testament. Once the Holy Spirit came, the Old Testament ended. Hebrews 8 says, it's about to vanish away. A new world began. Hallelujah. These that are following me in this world, in the world to come, in the time of regeneration, you shall sit on twelve throne. How many of you remember that? Matthew 19. So one world came in. The new world. Since when? Since the day of Pentecost, we are in another world. This is the world that is the end. The world of the Jews ended. But the world of Christ began. That is why you read in Isaiah 19, say, the increase of the government, there shall be no end. So the kingdom began right from when the Holy Ghost came down and is progressing and growing and multiplying every day. No end. There is no other wall that is coming. This is a wall. Hallelujah. This is the age. Praise God. Hallelujah. Remember this. As we try to wrap up for tonight. Mm. Every slave in Israel, not only even in Israel, if you remember in the days of slavery, if you read some history about that, all slaves were branded with the initials of their owners. They put a hot stuff, hot iron, maybe it could be S, it could be O. Is that okay? Right. Roast it on fire and they bring your forehead, put it there. And then it shows who owns you. You slave to that person. So one of the biggest significance of the seal, like I said before, is ownership of being a slave to Jesus Christ. And Paul will say, I'm a born slave of the Lord Jesus. Have you read that in your Bible? Amen? I'm a born slave. And in Israel, you see, when David said, for instance, Open down my ear, O Lord, that I may behold wondrous things and hear wondrous things, whatever the case may be. Some of us just think, okay, he's talking about open this ear. Now, this is what happens. In Israel, if you have a slave, he may have children, and then come to the point that he wants to go. Most often, he lives without the children. But if you say, no, I don't want to go, I want to stay back. 
And what do you do? You take him to the door and take an all. You know what's all? Go find out if you don't know what all is. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you pierce this ear to the door. As a sign that that slave will never leave your house again. And whatever thing you say, he will obey. So open down my ear. Pierce my ear to the door. So that whatever thing you say, I can understand. Hallelujah. So you take those two things, very significant. So when Jesus said, He that have ear to hear, let them hear. <laughs> we think he's talking of these two butterflies here. No. <laughs> Praise God. He's saying, who is a slave? To me. Let him begin to understand what I'm saying. Because he who has come to that place of understanding and have really received his ear being pierced to the door will not leave me. And that's why he discovered that in John 6 when Jesus said, eat my blood, drink my flesh, whatever the case may be, and the people left him. Jesus said, are you still standing? Aren't you going away? And G- I mean, Peter said, To whom shall we go? That have the world of life. Their ears have been pierced away to the door. They become slaves. Unto who? Unto Jesus. This is where you can really understand revelation. When you come to that level, you begin to see truth in the word of God. Your eyes are not only open to see, you begin to hear scriptures jumping out to your understanding your ears have been pierced to the door are you listening to me he said the bible is a very good book even though you can take time to read it and have understanding about it even though you can take time to go back a little bit to see from the very symbolic dimension i mean then begin to see what jesus was saying it's an interesting book it's a book you love to continuously behold Hallelujah. Praise God. Are we making sense? All right. One more thing tonight and there we go. But you love this when I talk about the ear, right? Some of us need to have our ear pierced to the door as slaves of Jesus. And Paul said, I'm a born slave. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? So what he's trying to say, remember he said I have the mark of Christ. Somebody talk about the beatings. Yes, I agree. Has to do with the beatings but the point he was raising again is look, I have the mark of Christ. I'm a slave of Jesus. And you know what? You can't just touch somebody's slaves like that. Praise the Lord. Okay. Read with me 2 Kings chapter 2. I'll show you one more thing tonight and we're done. Chapter 2, verse number 5. Now, this is... uh, This is uh, the sons of the prophet, right? In relation to Elisha and Elijah. Elijah was to go. Elisha was following. And the children of Israel came... And uh, and they told him, and the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord 
will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yes, I know. I know it. Hold your peace. Hallelujah. I know it. Hold your peace. This is very significant. I feel like saying something here, but I just want to move on. When it comes to relationship to the man you believe in, if you're convinced, in other words, don't discourage me. I made up my mind to follow this man. I know I'm serving him, I know I'm staying with him. It's like saying, I have a vision of a tomorrow. I know the next stage of my life in this relationship with this man. Hold your peace. Amen? Hallelujah. But here is the point I'm raising. Don't you know your head? What head? Hallelujah. Don't you know your authority? Don't you know your source of wisdom? Don't you know the source of revelation is going to be taken away from you today? Where do you find your forehead? Forehead. Forehead. Front of your head. That's your forehead. Are you there with me? <laughs> Praise God. Do you understand that? Forehead means your head, but the front. Huh? Okay. So, if the name is written in your forehead, that means your wisdom, your source of revelation. What is that supposed to mean? The mark is a source of wisdom, source of revelation, is that which opens to you the mind of God, the revelation of God. The life of God is being impacted into you. So the name of the Lord is written in their forehead. What's written is the name of the Lord. What's the name of the Lord? The nature of the Lord is written where? In your forehead. So what you carry is God's nature, is God's life, is God's mind. That's why in Revelation you read about those who are beheaded. And we think, say, the Lord beheaded his soul, cried from the altar, when shall we be revenged? Is that okay? And so we think about those who have been cut off, were slaughtered. No. It's not talking about those who are slaughtered. It's talking about those who lost their mind, their natural mind. They've lost their Adamic life. They lost their head in Adam so that they can have another head. Which is the head of Christ. Now they have Christ as a head. How many of you remember they spoke about Paul and even Jesus? Said, oh, don't my name is beside himself. To be beside yourself means you've lost your senses. It means you are mad. So somebody like Paul was beheaded. We're talking of irrational soul. Men whose thinking is not like the natural people thinking in the natural way. Those are people that are beheaded. They have no head. This one have head. Elijah has Elijah as what? His head. His source of authority. Source of wisdom. You understand what I mean? Praise the living God. Remember, the head controls the body. Is that okay? Right. So, when you are beheaded, it means you lock your control, your self-control. What I mean self-control is your Adamic control is gone. So that now you have the mind of Christ. Another head is coming. Second Corinthians eleven. I'm first Corinthians, right? When it talks about God is the head of the of Christ, Christ the head of the man, the man the head of the woman. You have another head. After you lost the first head, which is Adam, who was your source of authority and life and control. Now Christ is your life. 
And so when your name is, when the name of the Lord is written on your forehead, that means your vision is becoming clearer, your thinking is becoming clearer, your understanding is becoming clearer. As to who you are, as to who God is, as to why you are a believer, as to why you are a Christian, and what he has in mind for you. And, and above all, where you are going. Now you know. Now you should know. Hallelujah. Are you following me? That's what it means. What's written here to have the name written where? In your forehead. And so, we're not talking about one day you're going to have some people name written on. Maybe, one, I don't even know the name they're going to be written on the people's forehead because, like we know, you used to have a lot of names. Oh, God Ebenezer, God Shikenu, God uh, Pulbasikul, God. Uh, <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. We can go to all kinds of names. Amen. Those are not God's names. Those are what people say, well, God has just helped me. Ebenezer, you understand what I'm saying? God has saved us. People just make a proclamation because of what God did. They gave God his name. Those are not God's names. Hallelujah. I mean, they spoke out of experience and rejoicing and what God just did. Jehovah Jerry, God has provided. Amen. Hallelujah. Why? Because God provided a ram for Abraham, isn't it? Jehovah Jerry, God has provided. So sometimes too, when you have your food provided miraculously, if you are really following God, you've got to give a name to God. It can come. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. So, but what I'm asking is, what name do you think is written on your forehead, if it is Litra? Is it Jehovah Jiri? Is it Jehovah Ebenezer? Is it Eshadai? Is it Mekadiski? Is it Yeshua? Which, which one is written on your forehead? You see the confusion? So, the name simply means the nature of God, which is the character of God, which is the Holy Spirit of God, which is the holiness of God, which is the power of God. Hallelujah! And the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in who? In Christ Jesus. That's how the name is written. It comes via what? The Holy Spirit. I love you. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.